have a conversation with Kevin, then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tide and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org, and we've got all kinds of fantastic stuff up there on uh, our website, including classes you can take on the Bible and uh, why why the Bible is true, all kinds of interviews with experts from all over the world. We have people that um, believe in God and creation, uh, like Dr. James Tor, uh, one of the top 50 scientists in the world, who uh, he's an organic synthetic chemist, and uh, we also have interviews with Lawrence Krauss and and others who don't believe uh, Dan Barker. We also have people up on the on the program uh, who are um, a former Muslim from Egypt uh, who talks about how uh, supernaturally he met Christ uh, in Egypt, and he is the. Uh, he is the nephew of the highest ranking military official in Egypt. Uh, his name is Daniel Messiah. And uh, all kinds of amazing interviews. Uh, love to have you check those out. My guest today, uh, really excited. I've got a, a really kind of a unusual experience uh, I have going on here. But uh, I'm handcuffed to somebody who uh, I'd like to say has become my friend um, uh, over time here. We've been 24 hours almost now handcuffed together. He is an evolutionist. His name is John Rail. John, thanks for being here with us today. I don't know who this man is. Please get me uncuffed. Every time John introduces us to somebody, he says we're engaged. And I'm like, dude, dude, stop saying that. You're going to get rumors going. He loves that joke. <laughs> and I say, and I say uh, he's, the, he's the creationist. I'm the evolutionist. And uh, they all frown at him. So uh. anyway, we're having a blast. Uh, he slept at my house last night. That was super weird. That's the first time I've ever slept with a stranger before. Weird and awesome. That's yeah. the first time. You haven't lived. <laughs> I have now. Uh, anyway, it's been exciting. And we also have uh, Michael Shermer, uh, who is a publisher of Skeptic Magazine, and uh, he's very well known all throughout the country. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yep, I'm here. Okay. Hear okay, fantastic. Great. We hear you there. And, um, you know, I wanted to just start off. Um, I really know all about uh, John now. I'm tired of talking to him. So <laughs> I'd rather talk to Mike. Um, Mike, can you tell me... Um, you know, what is a skeptic? What is it? You know, it's not an atheist. It's not an agnostic. It's a skeptic. What, what is uh, specifically, when you call yourself a skeptic, for our listeners, what does that mean? It just means thinking scientifically. Uh, all scientists are skeptics. That is, we start with the no hypothesis, that your claim is not true until you prove otherwise. So just like we know about how somebody who claims that they have a, say, cure for HIV, AIDS, or cancer or something, the FDA doesn't just give them automatic approval of their drug treatment program without it going through clinical trials, tests, and epidemiological studies, and so forth. In other words, they have to prove that their claim is true. The FDA doesn't have to prove that it's not true. And that's true across all areas of science. The so-called consensus on climate change, for example, did not arise out of some democratic vote or, or asking people how they feel about the climate. It came from decades of uh, peer-reviewed studies uh, in many different fields that all point to this one conclusion, and so forth. So if you claim Bigfoot is real... I say, that's nice, show me the body and I'll believe, and until then I remain skeptical. If you say, I think UFOs have landed on Earth, I say, that would be super interesting. Uh, and when you show me the spacecraft or the actual alien bodies, then I will believe. Until then, I will remain skeptical. So, actually, I think most people are skeptical. They have some kind of sense that 
uh, not everything people say is true just because they say it uh, or say it with enthusiasm or or say it loudly or with confidence. You actually have to have some kind of evidence, some logic, some reason and logic behind it and some empirical evidence. So. Yeah. So that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I would call myself a skeptic then. Um, now, would would you, um, you know, where do you draw the line, though? So so if if uh, somebody says, I'm a skeptic, and of course we know in science, you, you really, because science is um, inductive, you really can't prove something 100%, right? And so that being the case, um, where do you, you personally, and what do you think is appropriate, where do you draw the line between, okay, I'm skeptical now. I don't believe. And all of a sudden, I mean, is it like 51% or how does that work? <laughs> well, it, <clears throat> there is no hard rule about that. It, it depends on which particular science you're talking about and, and how the scientists operate within that. But in general, you might think of it as, as something like a preponderance of evidence uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Those kinds of legal terms sort of apply loosely, but more specifically, um, uh, scientists have statistical tests. So, for example, if uh, I wanted to know if, if you could detect, um, uh, the, say, the back of a playing card psychically, and uh, and I have two different cards here, and I'm holding them up one at a time, and you have to tell me which one you think it is, can you, and, I, and we do this, say, a hundred times, um, how many do you need to get right for us to say that it's beyond guessing? We know you get 50 out of 100 right just by guessing. So how many do you need to get right so that it's beyond guessing, statistically speaking? Uh, and the answer is, um, let's see, 74. You need to get 74, uh, 74 correct out of 100 for us to say the 95% confidence level that he was not just guessing. Now, that doesn't seem that hard, but actually it is pretty hard. You get, you, you get 50 right just, just randomly guessing. But once you get up to, like, say, 60 right, because you'd also, by guessing, get 40, 40 right on some other trials, uh, once you get up into the higher ranges, like close to 70, the chances of that happening by by randomness is very, very low. So once you hit what's called the 95% confidence level statistically, um, then can we say, tentatively speaking, provisionally, we think uh, this is probably true. True with a small t. Uh, you, you were correct to say that there are no truths or facts in science in terms of 100%. Nothing is 100%. Anything could be overturned. Even the theory of evolution, even physics, the most fundamental theories of physics, so they could, in principle, be overturned. Very unlikely at this point, because these things I just mentioned are so well-supported for so many uh, decades and centuries. Uh, others are not so well-known, and it's entirely possible that they could be overthrown. So it just depends. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, and and now, uh, personally, uh, do you apply this to your own life? Like, uh, are you have you ever done skydiving or you know uh, free climbing, rock climbing with no ropes or anything like that? I mean, are you are you into no, gam Are you a gambler? I no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a super high risk taker. I'm a medium risk taker. I'm a bike racer, for example, and I go pretty fast downhills, uh, you know, steep steep climbs and downhills on my road bike. That's about as risky as it gets. You cycled uh, across America with no sleep, didn't you? Yeah, that, that was that was pretty high risk. But I was in my 20s, and, you know, young men do <laughs> high risk things to impress women and gain status among men, their fellow their fellow tribesmen. Didn't uh, we they, know about that. Well, a random question. Didn't they name an injury after you? 
<laughs> the Michael yeah, Shermer? Yeah, there's, there's a thing called Shermer neck. It has to do with your neck muscles collapsing after days of nonstop cycling. It's about 20% of riders, long-distance uh, race across America riders, get Shermer neck. So they're, uh, they're, unfortunately, unfortunately, it may be the only thing I'm ever known for. <laughs> 500, 500 years from now, it'll just be, he's that guy that had the bad neck. Well, it'll transition into, uh, you know, you're riding your bike and you get in an accident. It's like, oh, Shermer. <laughs> Shermer. Right? Um, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's great. Now, uh, when it comes to things like um, origins and so forth, and, you know, there obviously there are certain things that um, you know, are not proven or maybe don't meet the criteria that you just specified. They're not, they're not at 74%. They're not at 70%. They're not at 60%, but yet they're really significant. They're, they're really significant questions. Um, I'm sorry. I wasn't uh, the trials, right? Um, they're really significant questions and you still have to have an opinion on them, but there's no, they're, they're, you haven't gotten a conclusion yet that, that warrants that, uh, you know, meeting the skeptic criteria. Um, we're running up on a break here, but when we come back, um, our guest today is Michael Shermer and John Rail. Both of them consider themselves skeptics, and we're going to um, just hear from Michael Shermer about what, he's, what he does with issues that um, are not settled and are yet important things that he has to got, he's got to make decisions on. Um, my, um, my name is Kevin Conover. I'm your host today on Educate for Life, and uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you stay with us. We're going to have a, a great show today. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-825-3985. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760 760- 439-1631.
Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. And uh, John, I-, I wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to hear um, where you're coming from also. Um, well, we have you on the air here. And um, what, what um, both Mike and uh, John, what website, if people want to know more about you and who you are and learn more about your views, John, what, what website can they visit? Well, for me, uh, I would say go to my YouTube channel, which is, you know, youtube.com slash skeptically pwned. P-W-N-D. It's what the kids used to say when playing computer video games. Uh, and I do a lot of goofy videos. I've had uh, interviews with uh, Bill Nye, Tim Minchin. I've had Rachel Bloom on there recently. Uh, Felicia Michaels, the lovely Nina Hartley. I'm sure some of your listeners pretend they don't know who that is. And and uh, it's a, this just is a, a Christian fun, show, John. This it's is a, a fun, show. wacky channel. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but for Michael, uh, it's the coolest uh, website name of all. Michael, what is it? Skeptic.com. <laughs> oh, man, that had to cost you a fourth. Did you, did you get that before anybody else got it? Uh, yeah, we, we did that a long time ago. Yeah, so skeptic.com is our webpage there. We, you'll find all sorts of resources on um, pr- pretty much any topic that, we, that we'd that we be talking about, evolution, climate change, creationism, uh, vac- you know, anti-vaccination, you know, all those things. Pretty, pretty much every issue of skeptic which comes out quarterly, has a particular theme to it of, you know, recent controversial issues when it was published. Unfortunately, they never seem to go away. You know, psychics, con artists, uh, you know, it's just it's just every couple of months there's something uh, that's going crazy. The flat earthers have made something of a com- comeback. Uh, yeah, really, yeah, tr- actually. Truly, truly hard to believe. I, I've noticed that myself, and I, um, I was really caught off guard by that because I thought that was a done deal. I thought... Uh, you know, and uh, well, I just it is a it is a done deal. I, you know, but you can find somebody to doubt anything. You know, in a in a large enough population, and yeah. with the internet, you know, they're they're granted their own website, and uh, you know, we live in a free country. That's fine. Say whatever you want. Uh, no censorship. We don't believe in that. Uh, let people say whatever they want, and then we'll expose them to the harsh harsh light of reality that is fact checking and science. That's and awesome. Re- reason. So, so Michael, um, you know, this just popped into my head, and uh, it's totally uh, off topic from what we're talking about. But I'm just really curious. Um, 9/11 was 9/11 an inside job from a skeptic <laughs> perspective? Well, 9/11 was a conspiracy for sure. 19 members of Al Qaeda plotting to fly planes into buildings without telling us ahead of time, that's a conspiracy. Conspiracies do happen. But what's more likely, that or that the Bush administration somehow orchestrated what would have to be thousands of people involved and coordinated all that perfectly, and and, and they pulled it off exactly the way it was supposed to happen. And no one has said a word. That one person has come forward. No one told any friends and so on. We know how conspiracies really work, like Watergate, for example. Mm-hmm. The most powerful administration in the world, Nixon's administration, couldn't even break into a hotel room. You know, I mean, there's just three people involved. They couldn't even do that. That's typically how things go with government operations and, and cover-ups and conspiracies. Mm, amen also, amen to that. We, yeah, we tend to find these things out. I mean, my, my one-liners, you know, how we know that the Bush administration didn't orchestrate 9-11? Because it worked. 
Hmm. <laughs> you know, government government projects rarely work very well. So the more people you have involved in a conspiracy, and the, and the more complex it has to be to come up perfectly, the less likely the theory is to be true. Okay. It's not to deny conspiracies. We know from NSA leaks, for example, and the recent trove of uh, papers related to JFK assassinations, that that our government has done many things without us knowing. You know, plotting to kill Castro, for example. More stuff came out about that uh, two weeks ago, and uh, it's like we we were going to do what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a conspiracy. So, and my concern about the nine eleven truthers is that they're distracting from the real concerns we have of like the NSA listening to our phone conversations and you know things like that. It's like, wait a minute, I I never we never voted about that. We never talked about that. Mm. So that was all right. Yeah. That's a conspiracy. And those are the things that have to do with, you know, real national security issues and freedom issues. Yeah. Now, okay. So we left off on the last segment, and what I was asking you was, okay. Um, so, so what about decisions you have to make, right? Where the criteria has not been met one way or the other, but yet you have to make a decision about it. Um, and do you have any scenarios like that? And what what like, is like, well, like what? I'm trying to I'm trying to think off the top of my head here what that oh. would be, but uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Let, let's say there's a, a emergency a medical situation, and you haven't had time to look in, into the success of a particular oh, op- oh, yeah. operation. I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Okay. So the, the fact is, most of the decisions we make in life, we don't lay out. We don't sit down and lay out all the evidence and make a pro and con list. Like you're going to get married. Here's all the pro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's all in there. You know, most of the time, uh, our brains process this information subconsciously, and our emotions kind of direct it. Sometimes Mm. our emotions, sometimes our emotions are reliable, sometimes they're not. Uh, But when it comes to human relationships, uh, and whether you trust somebody or whether you're afraid of a situation involving other people, those kinds of things are our emotions and intuitions are pretty good. Uh, where they're not so good is regarding like gamble, gambling, risk taking, things like that. Where we we're pretty bad at making those kinds of calculations emotionally and instinctively. So uh, there, it's it's good to have actuarial risk tables, for example. Like, what are the things you should fear in life? You know, shark attacks and terrorist attacks are not at the top of the list. They're not even in the top hundred. Mm. Uh, you, you know, really, cardiovascular disease, cancer, automobile accidents, those are the kinds of things that are more likely to take you out than a shark attack. Uh, but our intuitions, it's, this is called the availability heuristic, the availability bias. That, that is, what when I ask you, what are you most afraid of, your brain automatically goes to the most available example you can think of, which is probably whatever you watched on the news last night um, and so that and that's what we we go for something that's immediate fail, emotionally salient oh yeah I saw that thing about terrorism boy I'm really worried about that. whereas you know, the, you know get, get people dying from cancer or car accidents you know, unless it's a spectacular explosion from a car chase or something, it's not going to make the news and because it happens so often. Yet those are the things that we should be most worried about. And so our instincts get uh, skewed by emotional cognitive biases. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that makes sense. Now, so my question then is, um, okay, so if this is the case that, are, that you know, Let's say you're coming upon a situation and, and you haven't uh, looked at the criteria for whether this 
particular situation uh, deserves your skepticism or not. Um, I, I don't know what shark attacks in a place that you're visiting, right? Uh, how many shark attacks happen here? Um, how do you come to a conclusion about what you should do? Um, or do you, or are there points where you just go, you know what? I don't know. I'm just going to go for it. Let's, let's just yeah, see what happens. I, I, I do that a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that's true also in science. It's okay to just say, I don't know. Uh, we don't have to have an answer for everything. And in fact, we usually don't have answers for everything. Uh, and so, like, take a UFO claims, for example. Yeah. 95% of all UFO claims uh, that that, that uh, have been made are explained. And, and, and by that, I mean even UFO believers agree with me that 95% of these things are, are explicable. So what we're all actually debating is just the remaining 5% hmm. that we're not, sh- we're not sure what they are. Now, what I do is to say, I don't know, and leave it at that. Uh, what the ufologist does is they take that 5% and turn it into a, an entire worldview of, you know, aliens have come here, the government's covering it up, and, and so forth. So uh, the, the lesson I try to, uh, to give people to take home on this is just, it's okay to just say, I don't know. I, we don't know everything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and this is true. This is true for many uh, claims about medicine, you know, cancer yeah. cure, stuff like that. There's a lot we just do not know. Yeah. So I want to end on a, uh, we're coming up on another break here, but I want to end on a tease for our audience so they, they're forced to stay over to the next break, um, <laughs> to the next uh, segment here. Um, so when it comes to the issue of God, right? Um, we're all going to die. I mean, you know, unless you're Jesus, we're all going to die. And uh, we've got to decide, we've got to make a decision about whether God exists and heaven is real and hell is real or it's not. And it's not like something that we can just be like withhold judgment. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Because the decision one way or another is pretty significant. And so um, what I want to hear from Michael is uh, where he stands on that uh, and what, what uh, his, his skeptical criteria here. And then also, um, you know, is it ever worth just going, you know what, maybe I'm just going to go with this um, because the risk is too great if it's not true. And I want to talk a little bit about Pascal's wager. So um, stay with us. My guest today is John Rail, who I'm handcuffed to, and it's been a surprisingly pleasant experience. Uh, <laughs> my wife would say otherwise, right? But uh, he gets more of my attention than her. Hmm. But um, but uh, on the other hand, uh, and my guest is uh, Michael Shermer, uh, who is a publisher of Skeptic Magazine, and we're going to hear from him and uh, his, his perspective on this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help Help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. 
Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit ConoverHomes.com. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? Never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving it all away. No more hiding. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. I'd love for you to check it out. There's all kinds of uh, awesome classes on there, um, especially if you're somebody who's looking to study the Bible. Um, I'm an apologist. I teach at a, a Christian high school. I also teach at a seminary, and I teach um, why the Bible, uh, the, the evidences for the truth of the Bible. So uh, I'm a skeptic when it comes to atheism. Um, and and so my guest today is John Rail. Uh, he's with Skeptically Pond. Um, am I saying that right? I, it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. It's not technically. <laughs> pronounceable <laughs> youtube.com slash skeptically pwn pwnd okay and um and am i allowed to mention yeah yeah and we're with buzzfeed uh, buzzfeed is really the one that put this whole on so we're uh honored to have them um here with us today uh their producer and uh, jordan and we'll be hearing from him shortly but um john and i have been handcuffed for 24 hours uh creationist and an evolutionist we've gone to the creation museum we've gone to uh the natural history museum and uh we've gone we've had a bible study together and it has sure been uh a, a, a one of a kind experience yeah. i'll tell you so uh Anyway, um, Michael, when we left off in the last segment, um, you know, Pascal's wager says that, uh, you know, basically he says, let's say God is a 50-50 proposition and you can't make a decision. You, 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 the evidence is, does not warrant a decision in the positive. And he says, look it, um, if God exists, the, the, you should wager that he does exist because the benefits far outweigh the positives, um, both here on this life um, and then in the afterlife, uh, you know what? Why don't you just wager he exists? It's better than the alternative. And um, how would you respond to Pascal? Um, well, first of all, which God? Which religion is the right one? Uh, you know, you're, you're making that argument from a Christian point of view, but there's, sure. a, billion, there's a billion Muslims who, who think that you're going to hell for believing the wrong religion. That is, they do not accept Jesus yeah. as a as the Savior. He was not resurrected, and so forth. None of that happened. They believe their their guy went to heaven on a winged horse and all that. That mm-hmm. your guy did not, you know, die and come back three days later. So, uh, if in their eyes, uh, you gambling the Christian, uh, making the Christian bet is a catastrophe. You're you're going to spend a lifetime in hell for making the wrong decision. And of course, uh, Jews, you know, maybe they're a little more aligned with you, but they have the Old Testament after all. That's their book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't accept Jesus as a savior either. Uh, now they're not uh, quite as different from from you as, as Muslims, but 
and they don't accept Muhammad either. But <clears throat> but again, which and those are just those are the three main monotheisms right there. Not to mention Buddhism and Hinduism and Jainism and, and so forth, and all the other world religions. And there's another billion or so people right so, there. So can I ask you a question about this, Michael? So. Yep. So, um, you know, I think that there's the, there are certain criteria we can evaluate. So, for example, for me, I look at Mormonism and I see that um, it, from an archaeological perspective, there's no findings that actually that actually support the book at all. And so I, I, I weigh these in my mind and I go, ah, you know what? It's far more likely based on the, the amount of archaeological finds that actually show support some of the history recorded in the Bible, it's far more likely that the Bible is true than the Book of Mormon is true. So I'm going to I'm going to um, take Mormonism off the table. Um, is that in your mind? Is that not appropriate in, in that kind of it's a scenario? A good, it's, a, it's a good start, but it's not that it's either all true or all false. The sure. Bible is uh, is in part a work of some history. It's also literature, poetry and so on, and laws yeah. and moral customs and moral homilies and, and whatnot. But, you know, the, the idea that um, Moses existed and the you know, the Exodus and and all that stuff. Uh, archaeologists believe that probably never happened. There was probably no such person. Uh, there's not a single archaeological scrap of evidence of forty of a good group of people wandering around in the desert for forty years. There's no. Have you uh, have you uh, have you heard of the the movie Patterns of Evidence and uh, that uh, that came out uh, no, like a year or so ago? I, I don't know that. I oh, okay. Just, you know, I just follow the debates in Biblical Archaeology Review, the sure. journal that covers this stuff, that it's pretty yeah. neutral. Yeah. You know, they're friendly to the idea of of archaeological uh, support of biblical stories, and they, they find some, yeah. and others they find none. So, again, it's not black and white. It's not like either the Bible is all true or it's not, not true yeah. at all. No, but, that, but that's the wrong way to look at it. Wouldn't you and, say... And then, yeah, and then oh, wait, hang on. Go ahead. And then yeah. you have stories like... Like um, you, you know the the flood story or Jonah and the whale, the, the, to ask whether those are true or not, in my opinion, you've missed the point of the story. It's it's a story. It's like Star Wars or Harry Potter or or the Lord of the Rings. It, it has a, a a message that you're supposed to get from the story. Asking if the story is true. You've missed the point of the story already, but, uh, and, and, I, and I think that that's a better way to read. Can I can I ask a question uh, about that? Yeah. So wouldn't you? So based on what I said about Mormonism, like, and, the, and you said that's a good start. So when you say. Um, which God, right? For me, I, I look at it and I go, you know, I've studied Islam pretty thoroughly. I've studied Mormonism pretty thoroughly. I've studied Buddhism pretty thoroughly. And I look at all these and I go, you know, eh, no, not going to work, not going to work, not going to work. And I get down to Christianity and I go, you know what? There is a lot of support here. And uh, and and so, I mean, when you say, you know, which God, for me, I go, yeah, Yahweh, the Christian God. Um, but for you, you just don't feel that the evidence is substantial enough in order to uh, in order to get to that, you know, the, the, the criteria that you need in order to actually think, hey, you know what, something's true. Okay, now you're talking about something slightly different, God, the existence of God at all. Yeah. It's a slightly different question than which, which religion is more or less likely to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, as an outsider now, I was once a born-again evangelical Christian for seven years. Oh, wow. In my mind, uh, there's no, no scientific evidence that's better for any one of those religions than the others, although some are, you know, say Scientology is, is pretty 
uh, you know, daft and goofy and, and at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And may, maybe Judaism, I would put, you know, toward the top. Uh, you know, there's a lot of secular Jews I know who are something like deists. Yeah. Uh, or pantheists. And, you know, that that seems more reasonable. So you can have kind of a slight scale there. But now the question of what's, what's actually... Um, you know, true in terms of you know God's existence. There you have kind of a different set of arguments and yeah. criteria that you use to. So there's you know the arguments for atheism are slightly better than the arguments for theism. Okay. Uh, that, to the point where if you already believe, you really want to believe. It's just it's just it's in your DNA, so to speak. It's just what you do. You can find good arguments. There's plenty of them that you know theologians make the first cause and prime mover and the ontological argument yeah. and so on. Cosmological argument, fine tune argument. You know, those are pretty good arguments that, they, uh, in my opinion, our side has slightly better counter arguments, but they're not horrible arguments. You know, if you want to believe, that, those are reasonable arguments to make. Okay. But from a scientist's perspective, uh, it's better to just say the null hypothesis is that God does not exist. Now, what's the uh, evidence that he does to overthrow the null, null hypothesis? In my, my opinion, it's not enough. Okay, and so, so here's where I'm uh, come down to. Okay, so we're all going to die. So, um, so in your mind, when you think about this, what do you think about? Do you do you think to yourself, you know, um, because you're a different type of? Uh, are do you consider yourself an atheist? Yes, I'm an atheist. Okay, uh, in terms of behaviorally speaking, I assume there's no God and act accordingly. Yeah. So you're uh, you're a different. Ontologically speaking, technically speaking, I'm an agnostic in the sense that I don't think ultimately it's a testable hypothesis. I don't think you're running. I don't think we're waiting for one more experiment to come in to decide one way or the other, like yeah. climate change or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So so, uh, so agnostic in the sense that it's not ultimately testable. Okay. So um, we're almost out of time here. I just want to get this last question in. So from your perspective, when you look at, um, uh, you know, we all have got to face death. Uh, so to you, uh, the criteria isn't met, but do you think to yourself, oh, you know, maybe I should just go for this. You know, uh, I know I don't feel the criteria is met, but hmm, uh, I, I, I'm going to bet on this. Is there ever a point where you go, you know what, I'm just going to jump, jump, just go for it? Or are you, you kind of <laughs> like, no way, it's not going to happen? No. Not, not even close, not remotely. It's not, it doesn't even cross my mind. Okay. Uh, not at all. No. Oh, okay. Well, in, in any case, even if it did, that's not an argument for God's existence. That's no, and I agree with for, you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's just an argument for emotional uh, you know, yeah. thinking. Yeah, I, and I, I totally understand that. It's definitely not an argument for God's existence. I just thought, because uh, you're a different type of atheist than I normally speak to, because you're, you're approaching this from such a uh, like quantifiable, uh, you know, measurable kind of a thing here that you're evaluating. It's very interesting. So, Well, that is an interesting point. Why yeah. are you looking for natural evidence for a supernatural thing? Why am I? Yeah, Kevin. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to answer that, but we're out of time here with Michael, so we, we just hit the hit the, the limit here. Um, Michael, unless you wanted to stay on for another segment, um, if, if uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I, I understand. Uh, we gave you one more segment. Sure, why not? Let's okay. do it. Great. Okay, so we'll pick up on the next segment with uh, John's question, and we'll be right back.
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? Never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. How much time and money do you spend buying lattes and espresso drinks? Express Fix Coffee invites you to discover super automatic espresso machines for your home or office. Enjoy delicious coffee drinks at the push of a button. Dave Martin and his local team help you choose the perfect machine for you. Call Express Fix Coffee for new or used espresso machines, repairs, parts, or accessories. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Dave at 619-825-3985. There's got to be more. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My guest today is John Rail and also Michael Shermer. A really privileged to have these guys on the radio with me today. And uh, they're both skeptics, so uh, they're, they're atheists. They come from a completely different perspective than myself. Um, but I, I love talking to people that have different perspectives because uh, it gets boring talking to people that agree with you all the time, right? So, and uh, I think the best way to get at truth is to hear other people's uh, opinions, um, is so that you're not just trapped in a bubble. And uh, I, be, I believe, actually, as a Christian, that your your faith is made stronger when you actually research it out and you you find out whether the faith that you have is built on something that is worth having faith in. And um, John, you asked me the question: Why are you looking for something? Uh, why are you looking for something supernatural in the natural world? Um, That's an interesting question. So can you expand on that? What do you mean when you say... uh, Meaning you're looking for evidence Mm -hmm. for something that is outside of what we would consider to be evidence. I mean, technically, couldn't God have made this whole universe exactly in the way that it looks like there was no God? I mean... Okay, so I here's my reasoning behind this. Basically, the reason I look for evidence uh, for a supernatural God in the natural world is because the Bible specifically says that the supernatural God interacted and does interact with the natural world. And so what I look for are basically the footprints in the sand. So uh, if if God is real and the Bible is true, then I should be able to see that uh, the Bible matches up with science and history and logic and these sorts of things. And so uh, although I don't consider myself um, 
I, I'm a finite being. I can't know anything 100%. Uh, if I could, I'd, I'd be God and I'd be all-knowing. But I do believe, kind of like uh, Michael Shermer is saying, I feel, though, that it's more probable that God exists than that he doesn't. And I, I, and I feel overwhelmingly confident that that's the case um, up there in the 90 95% range. But I also think to myself, even if it was only 51%, even if I only thought, you know what, it's more rational to believe that God exists than that he doesn't exist, I still think it would make more sense to believe in God than not believe in God even if you were only at 51%. Um, that's, that's just the criteria I've used. Michael? Yeah, so um, John's point is a, is, is a pretty deep one, epistemologically speaking. That is, I like to say there's no such thing as the supernatural or the paranormal. There's just the natural, the normal, and all the stuff we haven't explained what natural and normal means yet. Now, isn't that and, a naturalism of the gaps, though? <laughs> no, because... All we have is natural world, our, and our senses to detect is all we can do. Yeah, but that's begging, uh, that's begging the question. If you assert that all you have is the natural world, then, uh, of course, you're never going to... Well, how how, how yeah. would you know if there was a supernatural world? What, what, what would that even mean? How would you define it? How, how could you detect something that's not natural? But regardless of whether you could check it or not, doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? I mean, so if you assert that all we have is the natural world, then you're saying you have an absolute knowledge of something that you don't have an absolute knowledge of. No, all she can say is that uh, if, if there's another world out there, some, something beyond the event horizon of the entire expanding universe or something like that, uh, if we discovered it, then it would just be incorporated as part of the natural world. Or take a, a slightly less controversial subject, uh, and that is um, the idea of ESP connected to quantum consciousness. Now, this is an actual theory that uh, there's a quantum field that we know exists, uh, in which you get these kind of spooky action at a distance between subatomic particles that are fired through this double slit, this double slit experiment. Now, Deepak Chopra and a few others believe that consciousness is primary in the universe and that we're all connected through this quantum field in which our neurons fire in some synchronous way and, and we can kind of read each other's minds and that sort of thing. Now, I don't believe this, I'm skeptical of it, but if it were true, if it turns out that's true, that would not be ESP in the sense of extrasensory perception or paranormal psychic power. That would just be part of how the brain works and how physics works. It would just be quantum consciousness. Or, well, I, I, I agree with that. And I agree yeah. with that. So, and, and let's say we want to discover the creator of the universe. Yeah. God. Well, what criteria would you use? You know, well, he can, he can perform miracles. Well, like what? I mean, there's a lot of things we could do now that our ancestors could never do that seem miraculous. An iPhone would be miraculous to a, a Neanderthal or flying a, a jet plane or, you know, almost anything we could do. And so carry that forward. You know, at, at some point soon, hopefully, we'll be curing cancers by sequencing the genome of the tumor and the genome of the host and then coordinating those and then turning off the genes and so on. And, and you know, that, that will look like uh, a miraculous thing, but it's just that we just now we know the technology behind it and we well, can implement it. Well, sure. And I, and I understand that. I mean, I, I agree with that completely. But I still, I still am looking for, okay... The Bible says these, God did these things. These certain things happened. This happened, this happened, this happened. And so when I'm making an evaluation of whether I should believe in God or not, um, I'm evaluating all these things. You know, the whole Lee Strobel case for Christ. So, you know, you have a, you have a whole bunch of building blocks that you build upon and you go, okay, well, um, I've got this block, I've got this block, I've got this block. You know what? I've decided it's time to believe. And, and uh, you know, like you said, there's, there's no uh, black and white as far as 
there's no exact criteria for what you need in order to believe. But for me, and obviously not for you, but for me, I look at it and I go, man, I've got enough evidence to believe. Uh, and, and I don't see why I, why I shouldn't, right? I, I look at it and I go, not only does it make, not only, uh, you know, I heard Dennis Prager say once, he said, um, you know what, it's worth believing in God, even if, even if I didn't have enough evidence to confirm or deny, um, it still makes sense to believe in God because uh, uh, how it how it impacts the world. Now I know that's a whole another debate, which <laughs> John and I got uh, through with with his friend Ross. But anyway, that's that. I don't know if that answers your question, John, about why I'm looking for the the uh, supernatural in the natural world. But that's what why I would I would say yeah. That's well, why I, I think in part the reason you're doing so is because we now live in the age of science where you can't just assert a belief and leave it at that. Uh, you know, now people can just say, well, I reject your assertion. What's your evidence? Otherwise, I'm not going to believe. And that that's the world we live in. That's the enlightenment world of the scientific revolution. So, well, I, I'm not just and, asserting and, it. I'm not just asserting it. I just, some, like it's like you said, you know, uh, uh, you have the um, ontological argument. You have the first cause. You have the prime mover. And I believe there's a lot of things in DNA, the whole intelligent design argument. So I don't, I don't believe I'm actually just asserting th- something. I, I believe these are very... Let, 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 yeah. Let's take something central to your belief, and that is that Jesus died and, and was resurrected sure. from the dead. Now, I, I assume you, you, uh, you assert that there are good arguments for this. And yet, people just as smart as you, or maybe even smarter rabbis that are you know, Jewish rabbis that have been studying this for decades, and, and uh, Muslim imams who have studied this for decades, and, and they reject it. They don't accept it. Sure. The evidence is so good. How come, how come these other religions don't believe it? Well, and they believe in the same God as you, the, you know, the God of Abraham. Well, and I, Yahweh. I would say it's not the same. Well, in Jew, Judaism, it is. But I would say that Allah is not the same God as Yahweh. But but regardless, that's irrelevant. So uh, I would say um, every every individual has a reason why they believe what they believe. And, and you, you, you know, you can't really broad brush why all these Muslims don't believe for some, for many Muslims. They've never heard otherwise. If they live in Iran, uh, it's illegal to share the gospel. And it's also illegal to argue. Yeah, the, but the what about the what about the expert Jews and Muslims who have really studied this and they're like, there's no good evidence for a resurrection? Yeah. So so the difficulty there, what you're saying right there is that you're you're broad brushing, right? You're broad brushing the Jews and the expert Muslims, because I know many Jews that have actually become Christians once they heard the the evidence for the for the gospel right and so Jews for Jesus <laughs> there you go I interviewed a guy uh, right here in my studio who who converted out of Judaism because he said the evidence was overwhelming that uh, Jesus was who he said he was Doctor James Tor was a Jew uh, who converted he's now a Messianic Jew and so uh, you know we'd have to take each of these people individually in order to say why did this person do this uh, I have another friend who wouldn't convert out of Islam because she was actually she actually fe- feared for her life. And I was talking to her about Jesus. She said, don't ever talk to me about Jesus again. And it wasn't because she actually told me you're causing me to doubt my faith. And so yeah, but, but mil- millions of American Jews and European Jews, uh, sorry, millions of uh, Jews and Muslims, European Jews and Muslims who are not threatened. They, they don't convert. Most of them don't. Well, the well is, they don't know. They don't know. Yeah, they, of course they know. No, I, you're, you're not allowed to read Isaiah 53 in, in the in the synagogue anymore. You know, you're not allowed to read that because it's so compelling evidence for Jesus as the Messiah. Right, Isaiah 53. In my opinion, the the evidence for the, the resurrection would be one of the most extraordinary claims ever made because 100, 100 billion people that have lived before us have died and, and never come back. The idea that one of them did 
is an extraordinary claim. How extraordinary is the evidence? Not at all. It's it's not even as good as the evidence that Caesar existed. Well, so, well, well, whether it's extraordinary or not, I mean, you know, there's a girl that has two heads. She lives here in America, right? Um, if if that happened a thousand years ago, I don't know about the two headed. I don't know about the two headed girl. Who's, who's, what's that? Oh no, no, look it up. It, it's it's real. It's it's a, it's. They did a TV okay. show on it and everything. My point I though, two headed cows. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is a two headed girl for real. And uh, so the, my my point is this: Let's say that happened a thousand years ago, and you said, "Hey, you know what?" I don't believe that. There's no such thing as a two-headed person. This person wrote about it. Herodotus wrote about it. It's a bunch of garbage. Everything he says is fictional, right? You, you can't say that because something happens uh, commonly or uncommonly that it's true or false. What, what determines something is true or false is the evidence. And if you look some, uh, at lots of people who explore the evidence, they go, hey, this evidence absolutely justifies belief in Jesus Christ. You look at somebody like Josh McDowell or Lee Strobel or uh, even somebody like Francis Collins, right, uh, who, who was a total atheist and, and, and did it, or, or uh, you know, some of these other guys, Anthony Flew, uh, who decided, you know what, uh, you know, the fine-tuning of the universe, that gives me good evidence for, for a belief in God. And then one step later, I got to decide, okay, who is this God, right? And so... Um, Anyway, I, I'm not. I, I didn't really want to get into a, a debate. I wanted to hear your perspective, where you're coming from. But, but uh, yeah. I, in my opinion, I think um, skepticism is the appropriate uh, position on that. Until proven otherwise, I would be impressed, for example, if uh, if God healed amputees and it grew back some limbs. I mean, you know, the idea that prayer heals people and it's always stuff that that could happen on its own anyway. Uh, you know, tumors go into remission, that sort of thing. But something that would be unmistakable, not, that would never happen on its own, like a limb growing back. You know, salamanders can do it. Why can't humans do it? Or, or what about what about life coming from non-life? I mean, I mean, are you skeptical about that? Because we ha- we have had no evidence whatsoever that life can come from non-life, and yet for evolution even to get off the ground, you have to, without God, you have to have life from non-life. And yet that's completely anti-scientific. I mean, the law of biogenesis very specifically says all life comes from pre-existing life. And so uh, how do you respond to something like that? There are about half a dozen cogent theories about the origins of life, and it's, it's a different branch of science and evolutionary biology. And there's no consensus on which one's most likely to be the correct one. So there I remain skeptical of all of them until there's more evidence for which is the likeliest one to have uh, occurred, you know, four billion years ago or so. It's a hard problem to solve because the evidence is yeah. mostly erased so, from the from the geological record because of the cycling rock cycle. So here's here's my question. Here's my question yeah. in regards to that because I had the same question with another friend of mine, and he said, "Look, at Kevin, I, I withhold judgment on this until it's it's until it's proven." Now, what if God is real, but you've X'd him out, and then you say? science will eventually figure this out. But if God's real, that means science will not eventually figure it out. So what you end up doing is you... But wait a minute. minute. Why why can't God have created the laws of nature and they created life because of themselves? In the exact same way that gravity create solar systems and planets. And I'm not saying it's not possible. no No one thinks God is out there actively forming comets and meteors and planets now the bible actually right. the bible actually says he's not but but yeah, i'm yeah. but i'm not i'm so not why, why not apply that to yeah. life just you know god god set up the laws of nature to act a certain to create complex life well I, so. i'm i'm not arguing that he couldn't do that i'm just saying what did he do i'm not saying 
you know, he didn't use evolution. I'm saying what's most probable. So what, what, I, what I'm looking at when I look at this situation, you say, I'd like to see a limb grow back uh, from, you know, nothing. That really impressed me. Well, I look at life coming from non-life and I go, that's far more extraordinary than a limb growing back. And well, that, Francis Collins, who you just mentioned, he, he accepts all of evolutionary biology. But I'm that, but that's abiogenesis. It's not evolutionary. So, so well, even Francis doesn't think that, you know, and poof, a miracle happened. He, he always turns to the science. Well, he, he makes his own leap of well, faith on the, yeah, on the resurrection. The, I mean, the big bang is a, the big bang is a poof and it happened. I mean, that's what the big bang is, right? All the 28 billion light years across came from absolutely nothing. That's the claim. And it came with it without a designer or purpose or anything. It's just completely. I mean, to me, if you want to talk about let's become a skeptic, I'm like, that's crazy. That's Is it a claim that's magic. That it came from nothing. That's Lawrence Krauss's claim. Yeah, well, but see, cosmologists mean something different by nothing. Yeah, nothing's not then, nothing. Yeah, there's always the first of all, there's always a quantum energy in the. Uh, so-called empty space. It's not really empty. And that goes all the way back to the very beginning. Don't now, you, you feel... Want to just keep don't, pushing back. You want to just keep pushing back. Well, what was there before the Big Bang, before there was anything? Well, that, that refutes your own ar- argument. There can't even be a God. No, that now that's not true because... Because this is the whole... You, you can't have an infinite regress. So if nothing can't make anything... Then if well, it, you have to stop the causal chain somewhere. Why stop it at God? Why not well, go back one more step and say, well, where did God come from? What's well, wrong with that? Well, there's no need to because the Bible says that God is eternal. So what you have... Well, I, I want to know. Maybe the universe is eternal. Maybe it's an e- eternal cycling of big bangs and so forth. What's wrong with that argument? Well, the, the, what's wrong with that argument is that the science doesn't support it. Um, if you look at it, we know that the universe is actually expanding at a faster and faster degree, and the gravitational pull is not strong enough to pull everything back into the center again. And so science itself supports the idea of a, uh, of a, a start to the universe and also that the universe did not infinitely exist. I mean, we know this from the fact that we're losing the heat in the universe. Um, what's that? I'm sorry, did you say something? Michael? Hang on. Oh. Yep, there we go. Hang on, I lost you there for a second. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's start to this universe. Uh, you know, that's not to say that there weren't universes prior to ours that gave birth to our universe. That's also entirely possible. But come on, that's purely faith and now. That's now a, you've just... And that's, a, and that's as good an argument as God did it. Uh, okay, so I... Which is no argument at all. That's just an assertion. No, but it's actually a deductive argument because we know that nothing can't make anything. If nothing existed at one time, then nothing would exist now. So what well, you how, what, how, would, how would God do it then? What, what how, you would, ha- well, how would God create something out of nothing? I don't have to answer that question in order to. Yes, you do. No, yes, you do. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the, stop the causal chain there. Well, you have to stop the causal chain because in order for anything to exist, there has to be something that's always existed. Otherwise, you would have nothing exist. You can't have an infinite chain of regress. It's got to stop somewhere. And what a Christian believes and what the Bible actually teaches is that the causal chain stops at God. He's the unmoved mover. Yes, I know. But that's an assertion, not a fact. Well, it's deductive. It's a logical argument. It's it's it, it is an assertion. You're right. It's axiomatic, but it makes sense. Right. So the question is, did nothing make everything or did something make everything that and that's okay, where we so have to conclude. So, so what, what made God? The Bible says God is eternal. He's the uncaused cause. Yeah. There, well, so what? <laughs> so I can find a book that says something else. That doesn't mean it's true. 
No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying it means it's I mean, true. It, I um, mean, in, you know, Buddhist literature. You know, it's it's all infinite and and eternally old. There is no beginning. Well, yeah, but that doesn't jive with science. That's the problem. The universe well, we know well, had a beginning. That, yeah, the, this universe, our particular bubble universe. There's a very good chance that there are a near infinite number of u- oh, other universes. Okay, now you just use the the word a very good chance, right? So. What, where do you get this idea that there's a very good, not, it's not from science. Science doesn't give us any idea about other universes Cos, existing. Cosmologists, cosmologists predict that other universes, the so-called multiverse. Assert, assert, right? That's, it's, a hypothesis. it's a hypothesis based on no scientific evidence, though. No, no, yes, it's based on, uh, on well, it's a combination of quantum no, it's based on the need to have multiple universes. Because no, no, no. There's no need. It's not guys. Don't. We're yeah. losing you, Michael. Oh. Hey, hey. Uh, I've go- I've gone way over here just because this conversation is so great. But but uh, um, we're running out of time. Um, uh, Mike, uh, John, any? Uh, uh, Michael, where can they find you? Okay, uh, well, skeptic.com is, is our webpage, michaelshermer.com, uh, and, uh, of course, Scientific American, I write a monthly column for them, so siam.com, just type in Shermer, you'll find my columns there, and uh, find bookstores everywhere, carry my book. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, what book do you have coming out? Uh, next book is called Heavens on Earth, The Scientific Search for the Afterlife, Immortality, and Utopia. That comes out January 9th. Fantastic. Pre-orders are are available. Nice. Thank you so much, Mike, for for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Michael. For 36 years, Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fast Lane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. FastLaneSailing.com. At Dana Landing Marina across from SeaWorld. 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. 
Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's Word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donate2efl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donate2efl.org. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and uh, we just finished up with Michael Shermer, and uh, super fun. Uh, just, I've, I've never had an opportunity to speak to him. I, I know about him a lot, and uh, you know, I refer to him quite a bit in my class as a skeptic, and, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And we're going to uh, finish our program today. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview on Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, go online to educateforlife.org. That's educateforlife.org. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com. 